Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this edition of Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Shane Demon, And I'm Father Travis Crowdy. Good to be with you, Father. Likewise, Father. How are you? Well, I'm good. I'm good. Doing well. Um, we are recording this, just for our listeners' point of view, we are recording this just a couple of days... Oops, dropping the microphone. <laughs> we are recording this just a couple of days um, before the coronation of King Charles. His long, Majesty King Charles, the, the the King of the United Kingdom. Long live the King. Yeah, and um, I've just kind of been fascinated with some of the articles coming out um, about the role of Catholic prelates in all of this. Mm. Um, there's been some articles released that um, Cardinal Vincent Nichols, the Archbishop of Westminster in England, um, the highest-ranking you know bishop in England, he's actually going to be giving a blessing and a prayer to His Majesty King Charles. Uh, which is the first time that there will be a Catholic bishop involved in the coronation of a British monarch since the time of the Reformation, since uh, Henry VIII himself. Uh, This is rather historic um, that ecumenical relations have progressed to this point where the British monarchy would even invite a Catholic bishop to be involved. And I know uh, the Vatican has also released that Cardinal Perelin will be uh, going there from Rome as the Vatican Secretary of State representing the Holy Father. Wow. Um, so, you know, I know in our last episode we talked about the principle of subsidiarity, and for most of us here in the Midwest, the coronation of a, of a British monarch doesn't really have a major impact on us. Um, but I do think it's kind of a fascinating thing that we can all pray for from a distance and give praise and thanks to God that there has been more of an opening uh, ever since the, the um, legalization of Christianity uh, a legalization of Catholicism and the open practice of that, and to see mm. where things are at now in an official state function in which the uh, the King of England is the head of the Church of England, and yet Catholics, uh, in terms of being prelates, are being welcomed into this uh, celebration. It's a real fascinating time, I think, in world history right now. That really is. And you obviously, uh, you're more of an Anglophile than I am um, with your study of Cardinal Newman and Chesterton um, and visits, I'm sure, to England or the UK. Um, I've always been shocked when I've kind of relearned the history of the Reformation in England. And I think you were the first one, Father Shane, to tell me about why the British College in Rome is always still called the Venerable College of those, the guys who were studying there who knew they were going back to most likely be killed. And, Mm -hmm. you know, St. Edmund Campion and some of those guys who went back knowing that they would be martyred for the sake of being Catholic in the context of that. And yeah, we forget about that all the time in a pretty Protestant country here where a pretty Protestant country and then a very Catholic kind of rural Midwest experience, you know, we have Catholic towns, maybe a Lutheran town here, but haven't experienced persecution in our lifetime of the faith in a real way. But yeah, to hear about those different stories of people killing each other uh, over the faith, Christians, Mm -hmm killing each other. Um, that's good. I mean, it's it's the same hope that when you hear about all these big moves that's happened with orthodoxy, you know, in the past 60 years or so, with starting with Paul VI and the patriarch in Constantinople and the continued openness that's been there. there. There's some hope there that I think as the world gets crazier, as we talked about last episode, that 
Christians, the, the move has to be to come together and to, to unite, uh, you know, under the same banner of Christ. So there is some hope there. Good. Will you be watching with bated breath at like 3 a.m. or whatever to see the coronation? No, I don't think I will, but okay. I'm sure I can, I can watch some of the footage Just afterwards. Checking. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if you I, have um, your, you know, kind of like your Union Jack, you know, kerchief on or whatever. I'm not sure. Like tea or whatever. I don't. I'm, sure I'm all out of my Union Jack kerchiefs. Um, <laughs> so I probably won't be watching live in the middle of the night while it's happening in London. Um, yeah, I do. In terms of the ecumenical relations that's occurring right now, I really do hope that the inclusion of Cardinal Nichols, but some also also some other Christian leaders uh, of different churches and denominations, I hope that that is a reflection of respect and a, and a true desire to seek uh, the one true God together, and not just uh, a sign of religious indifference. You know, well, huh. let's just invite some other religious leaders just to pacify some people politically, but we're really not interested in a joint expression of faith. We're really not interested in the common pursuit of religious and divine truth. Right. I, I hope that, you know, from the leads being taken by the royal palace and all the government officials involved, that there is a, a, a genuine respect of wanting to have the presence of God be acknowledged in this coronation and to seek uh, all people of goodwill under that same banner of divine governance, of which human governors participate in, in that heavenly you know, governance. So mm. we'll pray for everybody involved and for his majesty, and it's just interesting looking from afar. Um, switching gears entirely to something <laughs> very different now. Father, we have never done an episode about the talk that parents have with their youth on the birds and the bees. That and I think the day not, has come. We have not done that. Um, we don't. A, I think we need some sort of uh, of an insect or buzzing bees or chirping birds sound effect in the background for the birds and the bees. I don't do. know what we would possibly have. This will just have to do. Well, that's something. We okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's something. The birds and the bees talk. Um, you know, I think so many people find this conversation to be rather awkward. Uh, so many people kind of dread the the expression of the birds and the bees talk and having the talk and should we just leave it to the, the, the school teacher? Should we just leave it to some sex education program? Mm. Other parents say, well, should we just leave it uh, to our youth to figure it out on their own based on what they see in the movies or what they talk about with their friends? And I, I want to just uh, situate this whole conversation based on a conversation that I had with a very faithful Catholic couple in which they really view the birds and the bees talk as a tremendous gift. Sure something that they really cherish in their role as parents. And uh, just listening to them describe this as they've undertaken it with their own children kind of in the preteen years, um, it was just very refreshing to hear them describe this in, in such a holy and holistic way. And I, and I thought for the, good of, for the sake of our listeners, maybe we could just unpack that a little bit. Um, in, in describing the, the birds and the bees talk that this couple was having with some of their youth, uh, some of their children, it became very clear to me that they viewed this as, as a real cherished opportunity to say, this doesn't have to be something that's awkward. It, it becomes awkward if I make it awkward, right? <laughs> yeah, like, um, middle, like a middle school retreat. <laughs> right. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be awkward. But what if I were to have this talk with, you know, my preteen, what if I were to have this talk at whatever the appropriate age level is for a child or a preteen who's capable of receiving this information 
and uh, is, is curious and is asking the proper questions with the right maturity level, what if I approach this as, as a real sacred conversation that I, you know, as, as a parent of this beloved child, I have a sacred duty, an obligation, and an adventure to say to them how they get to grow up and be a co-creator with God in the gift of fertility, mm. how they get to grow up and use their own incar- incarnational realities, the own, the, their own gift of, of their own body and their own sexuality in a way that's going to give praise and glory to God, in a way that's going to unite, renew, ratify, represent the, their wedding vows someday as an adult, to tell young children uh, at the appropriate age, this is something that's very sacred to us as mommy and daddy, and this is something that you are going to get to experience someday as well. Mm. And, and just, just hearing the, the joy and the excitement in embracing that as part of a Christian mission to hand down the faith through the birds and the bees talk, to hand down the faith in terms of let's talk about our bodies and let's talk about that from a Christian anthropological point of view. Uh, it was just really refreshing to hear this couple speak in this way. And I uh, just wanted to kind of pick your brain about this and share some of these thoughts with our listeners. Yeah, thanks for... <laughs> well, Father Shane, thanks for having the talk today. You yeah. know? <laughs> thanks for doing that. It's so important. And I think sometimes it's tough right now, especially uh, as, as we talk often about work with high school students and then you know seminarians who are high school students recently, especially today. There is a, a discomfort that comes, and especially like how much has changed culturally and with social media and just access to the internet and everything. There's this, there's this thought that even in high school, when I'll bring up, you know, different topics um, surrounding sexuality or or something like that, and um, maybe challenge students, right? There's, there's a discomfort you can feel from the teachers, but meanwhile, it's like the, you know, students are exposed sooner and sooner and sooner to things like pornography. They're exposed to these different things early, 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 early on, right? Whether they stumble upon it themselves on, um, on their own, you know, devices and please parents really consider when you're buying your fourth grader an iPhone or an Apple watch, if it's a good idea to give them unlimited access to the internet, you know, if that doesn't also come with proper (laughs) uh, software, right. To, to monitor what's happening or proper, you know, formation to understand who they are themselves, uh, who, what their bodies can tell them about themselves and about God. It's just really important. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, we can all, again, kind of complain about the, the, you know, the culture that doesn't give us a proper understanding of who we are as men and women, who we are in our anthropology that you know, John Paul II in his theology of the body has spelled out, and that has been unpacked for us over the past few decades, which has been really helpful. But if it's not coming from home, it's coming from somewhere else, right? It's not just, uh, it, yeah, I think that's what everybody needs to hear is that our young people aren't just blank slates until somebody tells it's like they are in a certain sense, but they will receive a sex education, whether that's from you or whether that's from, you know, the internet, you know, and unfortunately Mm -hmm. today, especially with, with the kind of pressure of so many young people having devices, tablets, iPhones, whatever it is, right. With that kind of expectation that those are just around and available. um, There needs to almost be an anticipation that like, our, our, our children probably won't be sheltered unless you're really, 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 really trying hard. Um, but even then, um, so it's not sort of like, oh, I don't want them to ever encounter this because it's more like they will encounter it and what tools do they have when they do encounter it, right? And that's mm-hmm. so true for anything in our life when we experience something that's disordered 
when we experience evil, right? Like the first time, you know, I remember experiencing, you know, hearing about a tornado for the first time when I was a kid. And like, that's a big deal to try to understand um, natural disaster, right? And I had a tornado that hit my hometown, you know, when I was in high school, I had more of a context to understand it, but a little kid whose house gets destroyed by a storm, right? That's going to affect how he thinks about, you know, his own safety, who he thinks about God, right? What do he thinks about God? Um, so the formation that we give in the faith, it, sh- it should correspond to what we're experiencing in our life and should prepare us, right, to experience the world and to, to stand in front of reality and not be totally you know, scandalized by it, but to actually have the tools, the lens, rather, to understand and interpret what's happening. So I think that's just what I want to focus on is like this. It's so important, parents. Like when you talk about parents being the first educators in the faith of their children, you're also the first educators in, you know, love, the first educators in anthropology, understanding mm-hmm. ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Why not seize the opportunity, right? Yeah. If if your children are going to be formed by the culture, if the internet or their friends or the playground talk is going to form your your children, when it's the appropriate time in the right setting and with the right mindset, why not seize the opportunity to say, I'm going to take this cherished opportunity to hand down the truths of our faith expressed by God's gift of sexuality, and I'm going to hand down uh, these beautiful realities to tell the next generation what their experience will be, to tell the next generation what authentic love should look like and what the proper use of our bodies, the proper use of our sexuality should really be. Um, it's just great to hear when families want to seize that opportunity and capitalize on it um, so that not only just are the practicalities of the birds and the bees talk really passed down uh, with proper vocabulary in a respectful way, but also just to go beyond the mere mechanics and to actually talk about what is the nature of true love? How did God make us as his sons and daughters? How does that draw us into respect of one another? How does that lead properly in the court, in the context of Christian dating towards the, f- the fulfillment of love in exchange of wedding vows in a very sacramental way? All of that can be done in a, in a, at a young age with children to start preparing them for what true love is and what union a person's ought to be. Uh, and and the, the vocabulary can always deepen and become more explicit as the children uh, mature. Yeah. But, yeah, but why not seize that opportunity to, be, to say, I'm going to be the primary voice in my children's life so that they really understand the gift of true love, true union, and, the, and what our sexuality means. Yeah, and I know I've said this before, Father Shane, where I've just seen it in my own know in my own sphere of influence but i've also seen a lot of you know families that i've heard relate this it's like they don't feel maybe capable of really like sharing the faith or capable of sharing like you know a proper understanding of our sexuality who we are as men and women if they maybe didn't experience that themselves Mm -hmm. but have you experienced much in parishes the the name brand family of faith style of faith formation Mm mm-hmm where, oh, sure. you know, the idea, kind of that move from that kind of traditional CCD model where you just go to class on Wednesdays, this is really trying to place back into the hands of families who are sending their children to formation of the faith, which is a beautiful, right, gift that they're trying to give their children, a formation in the, the Christian faith, to say, okay, we're actually, we're going to come together once a month, but the rest of the months, we're going to encourage you to actually work through this material with your child. And it's been neat to talk to some parents who say, yeah, actually before I did that, before I really walked through this, it was like, I didn't know that much and I didn't really like 
wasn't living the Christian faith with a lot of fervor. But uh, when I was able to, you know, receive a new, a, a first grade, you know, kind of lesson plan, but the faith that actually helped me understand it a lot better. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I experienced myself when I taught Totus Tuus is you become, you know, you learn so much by teaching the material. Right. So I didn't know what I was doing when I was trying to teach the faith in Totus Tuus as a 19 year old. But by teaching the faith, right, I learned so much myself because you have to learn to teach, you know. So mm-hmm. what a beautiful opportunity, too, if parents, if you didn't receive kind of the holistic, you know, view of the human person and of, of, of marriage and sexuality that the church offers, then what a wonderful opportunity to dive deeper into that, right, with different materials. And I know I've just heard from over the years, too, that there's even some wonderful children's books that mm-hmm. even start sooner to just start talking about love, Right? Oh, yes. We're talking about, there's one in particular that talks about, that mentions pornography and it's, it's just trying to give children a context when they, when they experience and encounter something on the internet that makes them uncomfortable, you can always tell mom and dad about that to mm-hmm. open up those lines of communication, to not have it be, this is a thing that may be uncomfortable. So I'm, I, I would never want to share that with mom and dad. And I, that just becomes now kind of a, a secret kind of wounded place that they can kind of fester until maybe there's some, you know, spiritual and psychological healing there later, but to mm-hmm. try to anticipate that and to say, no, 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 we're going to have an open means of conversation about this um, appropriately, right. like you said, appropriately. And if we can appropriately teach like a, you know, we can teach the English language to a little child, like in a small way, uh, starting with the alphabet, we could do the same thing with different teachings with matters of the faith, right? A pedagogy that's appropriate to a certain age, right? We see that with right. Catechist of the Good Shepherd with the faith. So this can also happen with who we are as men and women, like it's mm-hmm. possible. Yeah. Right. And as you just said, you know, how do we get things, you know, in the minds of children so that it doesn't have to remain hidden, it doesn't have to remain secretive, it doesn't have to remain shameful. Scary. You can right. always bring that to mommy and daddy. There, there's ways to kind of also celebrate that and, and to kind of get things out into um, a mature level of conversation, especially as once children start to enter into puberty. Um, for example, um, you know, if a, if a child starts to experience some bodily changes and, and that it's clear that puberty is, is setting in, well, how does a, how does a parent respond to that? Um, th- uh, this couple that I was speaking to, they celebrate that. They celebrate that. I don't think it's a family celebration with like, you know, balloons and streamers and cake. You know, let's all celebrate together that older brother or older sister is, is now entering puberty. I don't think they do that. But I think privately with the parents, especially, you know, with the sex of the parent, whether it's the father and the son or the mother and the daughter, they do celebrate that. And they do say, wow, you know, you are entering into the state of puberty. You are now entering into a greater capacity to one day be a co-creator with God. You are entering into a bigger capacity to actually have the ability to generate life someday as a mommy and a daddy. And, and we're going to celebrate that and mark that as a gift from God and as a natural progression. So it doesn't have to be something that is awkward for you. It doesn't have to be something that creates shame and confusion. There can be open and honest dialogue with one's parents about that to say, what are the changes going on physiologically in my body? What's going on emotionally and hormonally? And how do I understand this all as a gift from God that is ordering me towards something bigger? You know, one example would be that uh, um, a family said, well, when our, when our daughters get their first cycle, then we tell them they can get their ears pierced. Huh. And, and they use that as just a way to kind of celebrate 
the, the growing maturity of their daughters into puberty as a way to say, you're on your way towards uh, being a woman. Yeah. You're on your way towards this fuller expression of your feminine identity. And we're going to celebrate that in a little way with allowing you to start wearing your, uh, having your ears pierced and wearing earrings. Uh, so I thought that was just a creative way that they, they celebrate the progression of their children's development in a way that's supposed to be holistic and always ordered towards the gift of God. That's, that's wonderful. I was just going to end with just an anecdote that a, that a friend had shared with me that, you know, like many, like many people, not just boys, but you know, boys and girls stumbling upon pornography on the internet or whatever the you know, content, especially today. Um, but that their parents kind of had a conversation with them. It kind of became like a, maybe like a public thing, not a huge public thing, but within the family, it was just kind of known that this had happened. And their, and their, their parents said, Oh, 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 like sweetheart. Like that's, that's not what, that's not what sex is. That's, that's not it. And, and how important that was like that plants a seed that it's like, okay, while the greater culture and while like a, you know, kind of freewheeling sexual morality in the culture is just kind of going crazy. There's still that, that seed that's planted that says, no, no, there's something else, but it can, it can go deeper than that. And it can start before that. Right. And that's what you're mm-hmm. saying. Father Shane was, I think is a really helpful encouragement. And I think parents just a, just an encouragement from two of your spiritual fathers here at outcast Catholic, you know, you've received the grace, you know, of your marriage and you've received the grace of your own baptism to have conversations like this, right? It's like, this is proper to your vocation as a spouse and as a mother or a father. And so if that fear comes up, right, that's a, that can be a lie that can be kind of rejected and a place to invite the Holy Spirit into to stir up those gifts of the Holy Spirit that were given to you, baptism and confirmation, to kind of overcome maybe those little fears, right? Especially those, those gifts of fortitude, right? Where it's like, it's uncomfortable, so I maybe just kind of back off from it or, you know, it's become like a joke and a meme on the internet. You know, it's called the birds and the bees because it's something nobody wants to talk about, right? Um, but Father Shane, thanks for the encouragement that it can be shared about, can be talked about, and that would be really helpful. Yeah. Good visiting with you and uh, just encouraging uh, these thoughts just for all of our uh, listeners and God bless in the awesome task of raising your children as faithful Christians. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.